What's happening, you lions and lambs and delicious little vermin? This episode of the Anti-Quiet Podcast, number 50, is brought to you by 2,477 miles of travel in 12 hours by car, plane, and shuttle. Ah, what a motherfucker of a week this has been. Uh, went out to Michigan for a family wedding and then up to the very tippity-tippity-tip of the Upper Peninsula up there to refuel the soul, so to speak. My family's got a cabin up there on uh, Lake Huron that's isolated as all hell and far and away my favorite place on the planet. It's a journey and a half to get up there. It's a real pain in the ass, but the sounds of sweet icy water on the shoreline as you fall asleep in the middle of absolutely nowhere is uh, it's just unbeatable as far as I'm concerned. I talk, uh, I talk all about Detour and the, the magic of the house up there back in episode 33, so check that out if you like. It's um, from when I was still fresh off my motorcycle accident. I was all fucked up and broken, and I needed to get away from the world for a bit. That provided the, the perfect escape. But uh, here we are, after all that. Episode 50 of the Anti-Quiet Podcast. I, um... Fuck, man, it's been quite a journey over the last two years or so. Hopefully we can pick up the pace on episodes here. I, uh, I lost Squirrel along the way to life demands and interests and so on, but uh, he's still pulling levers and doing chalkboard calculations with wild eyes and crazy hair and shit. Um, just behind the scenes. I'm pretty sure he's also one of the clowns in the new Spirit in the Room video, but uh, don't quote me on that. But anyway, we're here to talk about this new Desert Session shit, and holy Christ, man, I, I never thought that I'd be uh, talking about a new Desert Sessions record after uh, being completely enamored and consumed by the first 10 over the last, what, 15, 16 years now, and... um you know, it's a little bit of that that holy grail shit you keep in your back pocket that you you test the true fans with if you drop a name of a song, um, you know, in casual conversation. People who say that, oh, yeah, I'm a Queens of Stone Age fan or whatever. That's that's a great way to get right to the heart of just what you're dealing with. Uh, <laughs> but I've had the great fortune of uh, spinning volumes 11 and 12 as I've been traipsing through Yosemite and Northern California and Northern Michigan and other parts unknown over the last few weeks and uh, I can tell you with diamond-crusted certainty that it's a fucking great party. Uh, um, it's steeped in mythology and tales so very tall, as all desert sessions are. Um, you know, it spans 12 volumes over the course of two decades, and there's quite a lot of stories to come with it. Uh, desert Sessions itself has featured a carousel of icons and misfits squeezing out of their comfort zones and typical character costumes, uh, collaborating with one another to create some of the most unique music um, we've ever heard and of their lives, I would, I would venture to say. And some of these tracks over the years have found their way into new versions of... of uh, Queens of the Stone Age songs, among others, um, like Hanging Tree, for one, or In My Head, or Powdered Wig Machine, or uh, Make It With You, which is a far better version, um, Desert Session style, than you'll find on Era Vulgaris, as far as I'm concerned. Um, but whatever the case, the uh, Desert Session series has always had a very special place in the hearts and minds of anyone who uh, has an appreciation for this corner of the music world. And it's a... Uh, it's kind of a reframing of the personalities of musicians we've come to believe should be seen in a certain light, whether by virtue or habit. And uh, 
Yeah, so after nearly 16 years, Jesus, this is the longest running mixtape in existence, I guess you could call it. Um, it returns October 25th with two new volumes, 11 and 12, like I said. And uh, the reason we're hearing it now has more to do with Lemmy for Motorhead than you might actually think. He's not on the record, but um, he'd agreed to be a part of it uh, alongside Billy Gibbons from ZZ Top and others. And uh, that was scheduled to happen after... Josh and Iggy Pop had finished with the uh, post-pop depression tour. And um, unfortunately, it all just came together a little too late. Uh, Lemmy had gone down to kick the devil's ass. And uh, Josh Homme playing Cupid to Lemmy and Billy Gibbons. Uh, Christ, man. Just thinking about that. That would have been fucking amazing. But what we have now is eight songs of a... Uh, a particular variety, and seven of these eight songs were recorded in two multi-day s- sessions um, by two separate groups of musicians with one day of overlapping, and um, the magic that ensued is certainly nothing to be shaken a stick at. Uh, most of the participants stayed in cabins local to the studio, um, keeping it a very tight circle, and Josh acted as producer and master of ceremonies and part jester, part mastermind, so to speak. And the end result is, uh, damn, it's it's just a pack of these seasoned demons make, making songs that uh, it just creates a delicious kaleidoscope of sound. And it's scared the shit out of my dog more than once and um, just been a constant soundtrack for me. And fuck, it's just, it's good. It's it's too good. It's spooky good. And it's very good that it uh, it's coming out right before Halloween because it makes you feel like kind of like a dancing vulture and a fun machine over just trap doors and left turns and howling goblin grooves it's uh it's the perfect kind of music for the season so like i said there's eight tracks on the record and everything but the song chic tweets which i think is track six uh was recorded over december 11th through 16 of last year at the legendary rancho de la luna uh studios out in palm desert that's a spot that um dave catching lords over like a dirty rock gandalf but um the key players for the record are as follows You've got Jake Shears from Scissor Sisters, who's deep in the Queen's fold. As you know, he did backup vocals on Keep Your Eyes Peeled on uh, Like Clockwork from 2013. And the same year, just to give you a, a real good sense of the dichotomy of Jake, um, he did a duet with Cher. So that's really Jake Shears in a nutshell. He adds flair for damn for damn sure. Uh, um, Billy Gibbons of ZZ Top and Les Claypool are up on this shit. Uh, Les Claypool, you'll know from... Primus, uh, though you don't actually hear him overtly. He drops in some bass here and there, but uh, all of that adds an instant level of long-tooth cool that you really can't overstate. Um, Billy's vocal on Move Together is just the sweetest whiskey-chugging delight. Uh, More on that in a little bit, but... Next up, we got Matt Sweeney, who's been a producer, guitarist, and vocalist, and more on uh, a ton of releases. He's toured with Iggy Pop and Josh Homme, as well as uh, Matt Helders and so on, to support the post-pop depression album, like I mentioned. And uh, then you have Carla Azar, who is well-known by now to Jack White fans. She's an amazing drummer. Um, she's been in Auto Lux for about 20 damn years, and has played drums on Jack White's albums uh, Blunderbuss, Lazaretto, and Boarding House Reach. She's an ace up the sleeve at all times. I've had the fortune of seeing her uh probably six or seven times live and she's just got this effortless way of playing that's really captivating and what she does with beats her beat designs are uh 
pretty fucking great. And uh, Mike Kerr, you know from Royal Blood, he wrote the song Something You Can't See and uh, is most prominently featured on Crucifier, which is track seven. No, it doesn't sound right. I think it's track four or five. Um, but then you've got Stella Mazgawa, um, alongside her work with Warpaint. She contributed to recordings by Kurt Vile, uh, Kate LeBond, The XX, Tim Presley, Tom Jones, uh, Kim Gordon, Regina Spector. I mean, the list goes on. She's kind of a kaleidoscope of, of music within herself. Um, then you've got a couple of interesting outliers like, uh, comedian Matt Berry who uh, was a part of the Mighty Boosh, as well as What We Do in the Shadows and other stuff. Um, it's fitting that he's on Chic Tweets, um, for reasons you'll understand soon enough. <laughs> but Libby Grace, that's a name that none of us really know. Uh, she's, because she's an unknown. Um, it's said that she's a friend of Josh's and she's an actor, but she plays an important part in one of the record's best tracks. So again, that's another one we'll get back to. And now I'm uh, kind of... I don't know. I'm, I'm still scratching my fucking head at this. There's a, a player on the record. His name is Tornst Hulft. Uh, I think that's how you fucking pronounce it. It's a, uh, there's, there's no proper context here. This is a person without an identity, uh, with kind of a helium voice and sexual pizzazz that, uh, you're either going to love or really fucking hate. <laughs> um, we'll get to that again. Like I said, I'm, I'm turning into a bit of a broken record here. So let's get into it. Um, this is, the track by track of Desert Sessions 11 and 12. Um, the first track is Move Together, and it features the lead vocal from Billy Gibbons, like I said. And immediately, it's nothing like you'd expect. It's uh, super disarming, because Queens of the Stone Age mixed with Billy Gibbons, mixed with Primus, mixed with all these other players, you'd expect something that kind of crunches and bites you right out of the gate. But instead, there's this weird, sparse, synth blip riff that kind of plays on a loop and lulls you into the moment and uh, your guard kind of has to be down at such simplicity the opening lines um, are, are creeping and, and quiet kind of similar to that uh, just the fucking casual delicate coolness of, of Gibbon's gravel voice is so great he says uh, she don't like my empty whiskey bottles and I don't like the smell of her hairspray and he goes through a couple other incongruities in this relationship before saying yeah but we like the way we move together and then there's some silence and um, man silence is used like like another instrument on this record it's just fucking excellent at building anticipation and creating these drop-off points where you're like, uh, what's going to happen next? And um, the way that you're lulled in by that first synthy vibe makes the creeping crash of drums and guitar that come in that much more jarring um, in the best way. There's a lot of friction that's inserted, I think, for the sake of friction, for the sake of throwing you off here and there. And sometimes that friction is, like I said, a fall into silence. Um, but damn, it's, it's fucking good. So that's track one. You're still cold. Good to go. Then we're at track two. We got Noses and Roses Forever. Uh, it's a Queen song through and through. All broken robot strut and trapdoor slut grooves. Um, it's angular. It's ruthless. It just sounds like a shit ton of fun, especially as the song builds to this uh, crazy climax. Um, it's a really fucking good song. You're going to dig it. Uh, then track three follows called Far East for the Trees. Uh, this is an instrumental and if I didn't know better, I would have sworn that Alan Johannes not only played on it, but wrote it. Uh, it's such an Alan song through and through. Uh, those of you that don't know, Alan Johannes 
uh, wrote and produced and put together and recorded and sent over the uh, the intro to the Antiquiet Podcast, the official intro. Could not be more thankful about that. Um, but this song, Far East for the Trees, it's soaked in this understated, delicate, yet galloping rhythm that's, um, man, it's fucking good. Find good speakers for this, seriously. And, uh, and your preferred... Um, Alleviant, let's call it. There's a there's a payoff for that fact. There's a uh, there's a bit of a sonic effect play here that that'll kick your ass around the three minute and thirty second mark. Um, I won't go into it any more than that, but just make sure you've got your sound right. That's all I'm saying. So that brings us to if you run, which is track four. Um, this is a fascinating foreboding song. Um, there's a delicate plucking and shakers framing the. Uh, the song is uh, as Libby Grace sings gently over it all. And it's interesting because um, the melody structure sounds very much like something Josh Hom would have. Hommy? <laughs> this many years in, I still get his fucking name uh, mangled. Um, it sounds very much like a Josh Hommy composition. And Josh co wrote it, which makes a lot of sense, but he doesn't play on the track at all. Um, all the same, Libby, Libby's voice is uh, just perfect for it. And there's this twangy lead accompanying that uh, is subtle and really great with a little hint of menace in the guitar that squeals through. Um, it's a true sense of danger that you get from just this very understated kind of sound that comes through. And um, then the snare picks up and you feel like you're hanging over the cliff of some weird desert landscape with birds circling overhead waiting for you to fall. Let's call them vultures. Uh, then the song kicks into what really feels like uh, a Hami world, um, kind of I appear missing type of ominous grooves. And fuck, man, just so good. I keep saying that at the end of every chance. <laughs> this fucking record is great. Um, then you've got Crucifier, which uh, it's definitely a, a royal blood kind of vibe, even though Mike Kerr didn't even write the music. He sings on it, though. Um, the song is a Josh and Matt Sweeney composition, and uh, it's all high energy, in your face, galloping beat and countering chorus melodies. It's a great lift from the danger of If You Run, um, a nice contradiction to that energy. And uh, that's another thing about this record, like there's a kind of an ebb and flow. Not all the songs are fast or slow or you know anything to that effect. It just has a journey within itself. And um, these songs could be individually released on their own as completely separate compositions and and you would believe that they'd have nothing to do with one another but all put together uh it's it's quite a little quite a little trip you take um and speaking of trips jesus that brings us to chic tweets do you remember what it was like the first time you got high this uh this song is kind of like that feeling um if it were a song. Uh, it's goofy. It's fucking weird. It's references to having gas and nude pics and wearing tights. And, um, you know, like I said, the, the vocals sound like they're done through some weird effects, like helium effect kind of vibe. Um, this is the only one that wasn't recording during, or rather recorded during those sessions out in the desert. This was done at Pink Duck Studios later on. I think it was back in May. And, uh, maybe that suggests they needed some kind of curveball alleviation looking back at the rest of the collection. I'm not sure, but it sure as hell delivers on that promise. Um, and then the song just kind of dissolves into this hilarious dialogue that's just, so fucking weird. I mean, the song is really, really weird and goofy. <laughs> um, and who the fuck is Torrance Holf? I, I just, I don't, I don't get it. Um, and we're not supposed to, but uh, people are trying to say it's either Dave Grohl or Jesse Hughes. And that, I don't know. I don't buy that at all. Uh, this one 
This one isn't going to get a, a ton of plays compared to the other seven tracks or so, but I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. This one isn't, it doesn't sound meant to put on and rock out to by any means. Um, it's a bit of a slap in the face with big, long, fake nails. Um, and then a tickle up your behind. Uh, then uh, Jake Shears takes the mic for something you can't see. This song has really crept up on me over the last couple weeks. It's on some like 70s cocaine, sunshine, melancholy vibe that uh, would definitely fit on the radio, I think. Um, there's a little bit of a Tame Impala vibe in there, and you wouldn't know it, but Mike Kerr uh, wrote the music, so go figure that one out. But um, it's a great showing from Jake. He sings about the confusion and loneliness he's experienced about being gay. And it's not a sob story, but a step inside the heart with a poignant strength to it. It's a really great song, and uh, Jake has me wanting to go back into Scissor, Scissor Sisters songs now. Having a kiki, but um, yeah, he's a, he's a fascinating dude, and I'm, I'm really excited that he's on the record because he's got a great style and a great sensibility, and uh, his personality seems to bring a certain certain homoeroticism out of out of josh sometimes at least from what i've seen on promos that uh does the man well the, the giant ginger elvis guy uh so then there's the closing track easier said than done this is uh josh uh entirely pretty much this is a prime queen's album closer material or uh something you could hear as the the lead into colopsia i think that's um it's got kind of a devil tease vibe to it only it doesn't, uh, it doesn't meander like one of those songs would. It stays sharp, and uh, in doing so, it draws you in closer. And there's this slow waltz on ecstasy kind of vibe to it with a, a quietly plinking keys before a rumbling low-end piano chorus that has full of creeping falsetto and beautifully doubled vocals. Um, you know, and, and like I said, as if there were any question, Josh wrote this song. Uh, Carla is, ours, is on a writing credit. Um, but the opening lines got me immediately. And the song begins with singing. And he says, aimlessly traipsing the Garden of Eden. Hitchhiking hand is all thumbs. Careless in camouflage, cool as chameleons. Let the boogeyman come. I wanted to sing that to you, but I'm not going to do it the justice <laughs> that Josh would by any means. That's some shit right there in the lines of like interlude with ludes that, um, God, it's... Uh, just kicks your ass. And there's an instrumental precursor to the melody at, at about a minute 45, the only give a little bit, take it all, take it all part that um, I, I've probably rewound, let's call it 25 times over the last couple of weeks. I just can't wait, wait to have this fucking record in my hands. Um, it's a fantastic collection. If you haven't heard me say that a thousand times over after every single song <laughs> description, but uh, it's an excellent sign of what's to come, I think, from Josh. He said he's not going to dive into these multi-year throwdown tours anymore, so I'd expect a lot more experimentation, a lot more digging around, and uh aimlessly traipsing so to speak and i think we're due for another crooked vultures record here let's knock on some wood let's find some sort of 2020 talisman to fuck with and and put some voodoo on but um man this record itself i hope they do at least a few shows i doubt there's going to be some major tour around it but um if you can get to a show if they bless us with the uh the grace of, of a desert session show anytime soon. I highly suggest you do what it takes to get there because I fucking, I go to great lengths to see this record perform live. But that'll do it for today, you little goblins. Uh, have yourselves a spooky Halloween if we don't talk before then and blast the ever living shit out of this record when you get it. Thanks for listening. <laughs>